Welcome back to the next edition of Talent Talk, episode number 32. In this edition, we have another Osprey great turned professional and former men's tennis player Julian Bradley. A native of Ireland, Bradley came to UNF in 2014, played two seasons of tennis for the Ospreys, helping to contribute to a 2016 ASUN title. Bradley's tennis journey began roughly a decade earlier when he picked up a tennis racket for the first time in his early teens, so we'll take a look at that side of his life, get to know him a little bit more. His tennis passion has taken him to UNF, all across North America, and even to Uganda and over to Italy. So we'll look at that path and, and how he's adjusted since the lockdown. So Bradley's a notorious traveler and couch surfer since becoming pro. He's got some interesting tales to tell. And we'll get going with today's interview. Thanks for taking the time today, Julian. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot for having me. Um, it's always fun to, um, to to catch up with with some alums that have made an impact on the program um, and that have had racked up some experience. Um, how are you doing right now? Uh, things are a little bit different. Yeah, definitely. It's a different uh, change of scenery for sure from uh, usually like playing tournaments each week. But, uh, you know, it's, it's a nice, like not a nice change in the sense of, you know, what's happening, but it's uh, a nice to have like a little bit of a break from it and do uh, different things. Like a lot at the moment, I'm actually kind of coaching a good bit and uh, just working out a lot and just being in the same place now for probably five weeks, which is probably the most I think I've been in the same place since I probably started in January 2018. Yeah. So it's safe to say that you're kind of like a gypsy uh yeah i would say like you could put that term on a lot of tennis players for sure yeah gypsy yeah yeah definitely is that yeah. a is that something that you guys kind of take pride in too at the same time um i'm not sure i'm not sure about taking pride or would i look at it like that i don't know it's just i think it just goes along it goes hand in hand with what has to be you know like it, it's just part of it part of the being a tennis player i think like you just in a different place all the time you're living out of a suitcase. You never really get settled. Um, like I remember the first year, because obviously when you're in the minor leagues equivalent, it's not as luxurious. So, you know, any way you can save money, you're going to do it, right? And I remember staying in a lot of different housing scenarios, like, and just friends. And I racked up, like I remember I counted actually <laughs> – at the end of the year because I was like I've stayed in a crazy amount of places this year and then I just went and I actually counted 77 different places which is if you do the math it's like a different place every four point something days or yeah. five, close to five days which is bizarre and I remember thinking to myself I was actually getting dizzy just like, yeah. like thinking of all the places I was like how did I do it but yeah would you just, ever write a book about it I mean that sounds pretty interesting <laughs> Um, I actually, <laughs> funny you say that. I actually never thought about it until an Irish friend came one week and he spent a week with me in Boston. He was going about to go back to school. He was just like, had a week off, um, before he started and he came to a tournament and he was just, I was telling him some stories and I was like, he was just shocked by it all. And he was like, he, he was in kind of, he was just enthralled, I suppose. And he's just like you have to document this you have to write a book so 
you know, and he was like, just write a page every night. And he was pleading with me and I was like, nah, 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 no one wants to hear that or listen to this. So, you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe if I had like, maybe one day, but not, not at the moment. I don't think. You never know. Uh, maybe you if this, th- this, this break goes a little bit further, uh, you might, yeah. you might start itching to do that a little bit more, yeah, but Hey, yeah. so there's a lot of different avenues to do it now, so I'll definitely be there to subscribe right. to it if you get that going. Okay, um, okay. 77 places. <laughs> I'll have one subscriber at least. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 77 places is a lot. Um, totally, that's, yeah. did, how did you master packing a suitcase? Like, what was the strategy with that? Uh, there was no ma- – there was – it was just – well, basically, it, it never really had to be uh, packed most of the time because it never got fully emptied. You know, so uh, it was just take what you need, like literally minimal, like stuff, whatever, like basic clothes you needed. And it was just keep on trucking kind of thing. Yeah, there was no there was never a thought process. It was never a big deal. It was done in five minutes and it was on move on basically. Yeah. So you're on a lot of variety of uh, of couches. What's the best material? <laughs> uh <laughs> well i never i didn't actually stay on too many couches now, okay I would you got you got a, maybe a guest room here and there yeah yeah i've slept on a fair few surfaces yeah like yeah. uh <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, different blow-up beds yeah different like uh, i slept in a basement like in a garage um yeah like a crazy amount of different places i met the the, the most fun thing i think about it all was i met a huge amount of characters you know like from different backgrounds learned a lot from different people and and the fun thing is actually keeping touch with a lot of those people that i stayed with you know i became friends um because they become quite involved like if you stay for a week at a tournament and you know like tennis is tough but you know sometimes you do well in either one of singles or doubles and and you play a few good few matches and the family gets to see you play you know they they become, they feel like they're part of it. And it's great because they come out to watch your matches. They feel involved. You know, they might have kids, young kids that you're, you're messing around playing game, board games with, night with. Um, like I remember in particular in Pittsburgh, in between college, I met this great family called the Turnbulls and they had five kids. So they were kind of like a little bit um, apprehensive at first at me coming in and staying because there was three of us staying there. They were like, "There's, it's going to be kind of chaotic. And I yeah. was like, well, I have five brothers and sisters. I think right. this will be all right. <laughs> and uh, I ended up playing. They were a big basketball family. I ended up playing. I must have played about three, four hours of basketball every <laughs> night. Like I, was, I was terrible at the start. And I actually was playing. I was playing decent and quite physical at the end, but yeah, I played way more basketball than tennis that week. I remember that, but that was a really fun week. Keep in touch. Like, and that, that was those kind of people that you meet and those memories are really, really fun and great. I think definitely will never, never forget them anyway. Yeah. So, um, how it works is you end up kind of being like, all right, daycare for the kids for a while. In a sense, parents are like, all right, Julian's here. I'm going to have him help. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I, I hope so that they like, they enjoyed having me now. I don't know if it was like, yeah, but I definitely, they were entertaining me. I was entertaining them in some regard. And yeah, like, I don't know about daycare, but yeah, <laughs> maybe they, that's what they labeled it as. I, I'm not too sure. Um, so how does this work? So you're going to places like Pittsburgh, you know, Boston, um, you know, right. mentioned Cancun and you're going in and you're playing, you have your matches. How do you get yeah. set up with, with places to stay? 
Um, so one thing I noticed when I first came to America, um, I, I just noticed how kind of hospitable people were. So like it, it doesn't really happen like this, especially on the tournaments worldwide. Like I know maybe Germany in the league, if you play league there, you know, maybe someone will host you and, and keep you, take you in, but you're playing for the club. It's a little different. You're not, mm -hmm. you're only there for maybe two, three days at a time. Whereas in America, my first summer here in college, I played a lot of like kind of these uh, open men's tournaments, like kind of money tournaments, small money tournaments. Um, and there's a whole mix of college players, pros, amateurs playing them because they're good. There's quite good money if you do well. So those tournaments, people would often put you up because members of the club are all playing them and they want to kind of have you like they they help they know the situation you know t players tennis players are not making a whole lot of money mm -hmm. outside of 100 in the world so therefore they kind of are quite well aware of it because it's quite a documented well documented fact so so these families would would take you in and they would like you know treat you as their own almost so that kind of was something that I noticed quite early on. I was like, wow, these American families are just so hospitable. And then as you go from tournament to tournament, I was very lucky to have a good friend that lives in Atlanta, uh, Nathan Pasha. He went to University of Georgia. So I met him my first summer. And he was a guy who was kind of playing, doing the same thing. And he knew a lot of families already. So just by me with him, he kind of like showed me the way and, he also helped me get a lot of times housing. Even if he wasn't with me at a tournament, he would have known someone who knew someone. So true word of mouth, I kind of was able to make it work um, and do it quite feasibly, you know, and be still okay to go from the next, to get onto the next place, you know? Mm -hmm. So that was a really like kind of indebted to him in a way for that. So, but I just noticed the biggest thing I noticed was how hospitable Americans were to take you in and to treat you as their own and just like basically put you up and show you a good time that was i think phenomenal phenomenal to see and really welcoming uh from their point of view so you have that year of 77 stops was there any uh, like yeah. is there any anxiety of like where am i going to get the uh, a place to stay next or am i going to be mm. all right there <laughs> yeah yeah there was a there was a, i i look back at it and there must have been about at least four or five times maybe where i was like jeez i <laughs> i literally would like i remember definitely turning up at like tennis clubs and being like there at like seven or eight at night maybe three times in particular where i literally didn't know where i was going to stay i remember one was in rochester new york and i was just sitting there like just looking up little airbnbs that might be close and then the string the guy who was stringing the tournament stringer actually was like you know you can stay with me tonight awesome. so that that worked out clutch one time um and then like just things just always i always ended up landing on my feet i noticed that a lot you know and i think maybe it goes a little bit my personality's fairly outgoing mm -hmm. um so i was always quite like I'm a friendly, I'd say I'm quite friendly. So I always would say hello and just things just seem to click even in those little fixes or those like, I just remember always landing on my feet and then maybe one time it didn't work out, but I ended up 
getting somewhere in the something in the end, maybe after a day or two. But yeah, I was never too I was never too worried about it either. Like I was just you know if I turned up at six p.m. and knew I had a tournament this week, I was like confident always that you know something's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so I never worked too up. I never got too worked up. Sorry, or got anxious as you say. Uh, it was never really a thing. No personality lends itself to being all right with that situation. But for somebody yeah. that's like not easy to come out of a shell i'm sure it's it's gonna make you get out of that shell for sure definitely definitely, <laughs> definitely yeah forces you to get outside your comfort zone for sure yeah so in talking about traveling and playing um and obviously one of the most important things is getting rest and having a, a good oh. diet how do you go about really maintaining a routine when you're on the road like that yeah so you know as far as as like um yeah i think it's very important like you there's going to be a certain amount that's going to be out of your control and you just mm-hmm. got to let let that be you know let not get too uh for me anyway i was always like kind of under the impression that i just had to not get too bothered or too up or too down by that so i always tried to just make sure i got to sleep roughly at the same time most nights and the same amount of hours that was huge eat a lot of food that you like a lot of like just not so much like like i think just a lot of you know your general carbs pasta you know meat good 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 variety and good balance um i will i will admit it wasn't easy to eat crazy healthy just because of the fact that you're not always able to get the same amount of food so i felt if i ate really healthy really really healthy one week and then couldn't do the same the next week i was like maybe it's just better to have a more kind of balanced level diet instead of going crazy healthy one week not so much the next week so i was just wouldn't eat just be quite eat quite plain really and then i would just always have make sure i did the same things before and after matches like you know the standard stuff stretching warming up the same way um and just keep looking for little ways to keep improving um Mm -hmm. while playing the tournament so yeah that was really it as far as i try read a lot read before going to bed you know that kind of stuff um but yes that was really this pretty much it the true the tournaments wise you make things work and you just maintain flexibility is is seems like what it needs to be yeah Um, being flexible is a big one for sure mm -hmm. for sure yeah yeah so this lifestyle is, is very unique, and I think a lot of people, even um, not in tennis, would probably find it pretty interesting. Was it kind of was this pursuit always a goal for you? Um, I wouldn't say it was always a goal. No, I actually started tennis quite late. I actually only started tennis. I've actually picked up a racket at thirteen. Hmm. So as far as tennis wise, that's actually very late, and then. I played a few other sports back home in Ireland. Um, and 13, 14, 15, like I was really uh, just a beginner. Genuinely, like, I mean, just like any other beginner you see out there in a public park, no real idea of what I'm doing. Wow. And then I'd say at 15, oh, we had a group lesson. So I would take a group lesson in school each week. Like it was like from 14, 15. It was, but it was just more a coach just kind of he was just feeding us a few balls or he was kind of like babysitting us in a way he wasn't giving us too much instruction um 
but you know I, I love tennis actually I remember just always having like a real affection for it even at that age and I remember I'd hit against the wall like I was in a boarding school at, uh, from 13 to 16 and I we had a big sports hall and the main sport was rugby so everyone played rugby and then I remember just after between seven and eight every night between study hall I'd go and I'd hit on the wall a lot and I remember that's kind of how I really I just remember really enjoying that like just freedom just being on there on my own just hitting against the wall feeling the ball feeling like I was improving and then I was lucky as well to have like family friends who were who when I went back home in the summer they were crazy into tennis so that's actually how I started playing tournaments because I would hang out with them a lot and they were quite accomplished like a couple of them were quite good tennis players tournament players so that's how I ended up I went to one tournament with them and was like just like loving it I was mm-hmm. soaking it all up and they were telling me you know you can almost do this every week of the summer and I was like wow like this is what I'm going to do next summer so I remember when I was 15 14 and 15 that's what I did in the summers and I hung around with them and I just felt like I was getting better all the time and so even at this age 15 no no desire to really play no even thought process of playing pro or even going to college actually college Mm -hmm. even in America wasn't uh, a thought until 17 um, which kind of well I'll go on to but like so at 16 we have this year in school in Ireland which is called transition year and during this year you can um, you can do different things you can actually skip it for one but you can do a lot of different things like go and exchange to learn like a foreign language which is kind of well advised you can go um, do work experience with different firms like a law firm or a hospital or anything you want really like you can shadow up like a vet or a plumber anything you want but you and you get a, a grade not a grade but a, a report from them and as such so I did that I did my work experience I did exchange in France where I like improved my French and and then when I came back from that I started playing a ton of tennis so that's where really I really went and just started going like training I went to a squad in Dublin I took the bus there every day because I lived an hour and a half from Dublin took the bus there every day and just would play for four or five hours every single day and that's start where I started to improve so after that year I was like you know what I actually really want to I want to get better at this sport I'd love to play Davis Cup I'd love to play for Ireland that was Mm -hmm. I saw I think a Davis Cup match that year and I was just like, wow, I, this is what I want to do. I want to play, want to play for Ireland. I want to be one of the best players here. So I, I took a, I took a, um, a deci- I made the decision to leave boarding school. I then went to school in Dublin, which would have made everything easier training wise. And I, I went there. I lived in a, I rented a room from a family and I went to school up there. And then I started training all the time. And then over those two years, I started really improving. Now, I would say I got to maybe, not, I wasn't nowhere near the best in the country, but I was, lot, I was getting a lot better. And I didn't really have the option to actually come to America and to get a scholarship to America at that age. And it was, it was kind of 
in a way it was disheartening, but I was so, I think, dis- determined that I was like, you know, I'm just going to do it anyway, you know? And so I did quite well academically. And the way it works in Ireland is you can start, <clears throat> you don't have to do pre-recs or pre-general, you know, your gen eds like you do in America. So I actually started, uh, going, I went to dental school. And so I started my degree in dentistry, which was five years. And at the same time, I was playing tons of tennis. I actually nearly, I got in a lot of trouble because I nearly got kicked out of dentistry because I was just not turning up for lectures. It was quite strict. And I was just playing tennis. And I was kind of, I was taking the mick a little bit. Like I was just like, <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't doing it. I was, I didn't deserve to have a place in that course as well. Like either really like compared to people who had worked really hard. But, you know, I was in this good course. I was, it was like a lot of study, but I was just playing way more tennis. And I remember then at that time was when it really kind of came about because I had a couple of decent results in a tournament and I was like, there were a couple of college players. So I was like, wow, now the doors are opening and I could go to America mm-hmm. and I'll put this on hold and, you know, I can come back and do this dentistry anytime, you know, it's not mm-hmm. going anywhere, but I won't be able to do the tennis and the scholarship and the, in America you know, in five years, it's going to be gone. So I was like, I'm going to take this opportunity. And that's when I really, I, I did two years. So I wasn't able to go after my first year just because I hadn't organized it quick enough. But after my second year, that's when I went to North Florida and I put everything in Dublin on hold. And I, uh, yeah, got the flight over and started in Jacksonville and uh, have been here since. Uh, well in America anyway that's an awesome story I mean just to hear the determination side of it was what really stands out I mean like you kind of just I'm sure there were probably some people that disagreed with you at the time I'm guessing like yeah there there probably still are (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah. what is this guy doing he could be be pulling teeth for like a a decent wage and now he's sleeping on couches (laughs) bumming around but like yeah i know like i I think i've had great experiences and you know i I do think like there's definitely thoughts like i mean most like a lot of times you do get the thoughts like god i could i could go back and or i could be like i look at one of my best friends back there now who's he's starting to kind of like open up his own practices and I'm like, and then I'm like, what would I, how would I feel if I was doing that? You know? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know what? I actually don't feel like I just, I'm like, I would have done what I did, you know? Yeah. So that, that's a good sign. And I feel like, you know, I, I know kind of what I want um, to do. Uh, maybe I will go back at some point, but uh, for now I'm pretty happy, pretty happy and content, you know? Was there anyone in your life at the time that was really pushing you to kind of play and keep pursuing tennis? Uh, no, not really. There was one. There was one person that was very helpful. I'd say extreme, and still is. Connor Taylor. He was an Irish guy who actually went to NC State University. He was. He actually helped me get over to America. Um, like he really talked to a lot of coaches because I really didn't have a clue coming over. I didn't have a notion of how to even get in contact with him, but I remember him writing down all my results, writing down an email and then being like, okay, send this to whatever. And I was just, I remember the next morning being astounded by the results and the excitement and the buzz getting from these colleges. I was like, wow, this is, this is really happening. It's taken off. 
And um, he was someone who was really helpful. He was never like, he was encouraging, but he was always like, he would ask, what do you want? And, and then he would go from there and he was, I, I owe a lot definitely to him for the help and the advice that I've got over the years, for sure. Yeah. So we're at that time. So you basically, you were emailing coaches and trying to reach out, I'm guessing in the States um, yeah, on your behalf. Yeah, exactly. So how I did it was uh, there was a bunch of guys who were still playing from Ireland, maybe three or four of them. And I remember one was playing a bunch of tournaments in college towns, college cities. Like one was Champagne. He was in, mm-hmm. he went to LSU himself. Then he'd been in Champagne for a tournament and he was very helpful because he put he was like this this Irish guy that's you know you might be interested in, and so I remember getting a lot of calls from those kind of places where he had been at the time, and then there was also Notre Dame. How it how it originally started was Notre Dame is obviously the the Fighting Irish as their symbol, so there's an Irish connection and there's a big mm-hmm. incentive for Notre Dame to have an Irish person come over because they have a fund. So every summer there's coaches that come over and I met the coach initially in Ireland. He came to see me play. Yet long story short, we were in contact for a long time and it came down to like I took visits to there to NC State and North Florida and was still in touch with them. And so it kind of came down to those three, I would say, and the fact I took a, when I took a visit to North Florida, I I love the play. I loved all all the places. Really, like the I thought they were just you know the campuses were all unreal. The weather was amazing. Facilities phenomenal, second to none. But I think the main thing was I had the best connection with the coach at North Florida, who was an Irish guy at the mm-hmm. time, Mark Finnegan, and I just felt like you know if I come here, I think he's really going to look after me. He's going to have my back and I'm going to really improve no matter what. And I think that was the the big decision in going to North Florida. And, you know, I loved it there. I loved my time at UNF. I had a phenomenal time. I'd go there again a thousand times. And, uh, yeah, that, that was one of the greater, the good decisions I made for sure. So you, you, I was going to ask actually about Mark and any connection that you had with him, knowing yeah. that he's an Irish um, guy as well. Yeah. Um, and those are all three great opportunities right there. Yeah. Um, what, were, what were people in Ireland saying when you got the opportunity at North Florida? And um, what was that uh, what transition like? Uh, people were, were genuinely like, they were, they were like, wow, yeah. Go, no, like most people were, were like, go for it. Um, they were like, go for it, you know, like, just take it on, like, just take it, you know, you're not going to be around, you're not going to have this, it's not going to, the dentistry will be there, you're not going to have this again, take it with full, with full open arms and go for it. Uh, that was the general consensus um, that I received from people in back home, you know, and uh, so I didn't really care what people thought either yeah. way, actually. I have know, a dream, yeah. Back in it, I'd say, you know, people still still would have said the same, definitely. Like, yeah, I, I loved it, you know. So I would have said, like, there were some people would have said, because I did quite well academically, and maybe I was talking to one or two Ivy Leagues at the time, just briefly, they might have said, like, go there. But 
I wasn't, I was coming for the tennis and I wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, when I studied, when I came to North Florida academics, I just wanted to kind of get to my degree, but I also wanted to do it in something a little different than, than, than science. You know, I didn't want to do chemistry or biology, although I did do a minor in biology. I wanted to do it in, you know, something um, business related that would kind of add to my, I suppose, CV had I gone back to do and finish dentistry. So, so it wasn't really on my mind. I just wanted to be able to do that and then, you know, really get the most out of my tennis and just have a great experience was my main goals coming over. So you're at Trinity, right? Is the name of the school in, in Trinity Dublin. College Dublin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're there. Uh, do, does everything transfer over? Like, how did the credits work? Too? Oh, that was, you can ask. <laughs> you can, <laughs> that was an absolute, uh, that was, uh, I don't know how to, there's, there's a word to describe that, but that took, uh, that took a long time and it was tedious, <laughs> but it eventually got done after a lot of like back and forth, you know, not even going to bore you with all that, but <laughs> I got it done, you know, and if you ever want to know more, you can ask Jen- Jenny Barr. She's still That's what I was going to. Yeah, you, yeah. Can still, you can ask her how much work that was, but like, she'll be like, that guy was a nightmare. <laughs> don't ever, ever want to see him again. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, she might know, have some she was, she was very good at it. She was very nice and she did it all. And, and like, yeah, I got a lot of, I got a decent amount transferred over. So I basically didn't have to do any, biology classes when I came and then I could just start straight into economics uh, did a few general education classes clept a bunch of exams and then you know banged out the rest and was was yeah no worries got it all done yeah because yeah. I was curious about that and your age you probably were like the same age as a juniors and seniors at the time That's right true. right I came, I came in as a junior but I was a little older than juniors I was 20 I was 21 because I feel like in Ireland I'd finished, I'd actually kind of started, I'd started a little later. I'd done like maybe the equivalent of an extra year mm-hmm. due to maybe transition year, the year I was talking about where I played a lot of tennis. So I ended up being a, maybe a year older than my peers mm-hmm. graduating. That's what it seemed like. I'm, I graduated yeah. in 16, but 26. Right. Yeah, you, you were sixteen. Um, UNF yeah. there. What was playing playing like? So you get to the states, and now you're with UNF, and you're part of college right. tennis, which is a whole other thing. What yeah. was that like? Well, it was it was great, but it was eye opening experience because like I kind of thought like I'd come over and I just work really hard and just start like you know doing amazing, you know, like and I had big expectations, and I think I was just let down. Uh, straight up like I, I thought first off it, it was very different from Ireland the conditions like in Ireland it's cold it's usually on average probably 10 degrees Celsius mm-hmm. which is I don't know maybe it's like 30 maybe it's like 40 degrees mm-hmm. here in mm-hmm. Fahrenheit sounds, so, so, sounds right right so it's there and it's cold it's wet it's damp so the conditions tennis wise are much different than in North Florida where it's sunny the ball flies it's fast it's not fast but it's really slow it's humid and Mm -hmm. it was just like everything was a bit different so tennis wise I think I struggled just to you know with regards expectations and just getting used to it kind of caught up with me and got me a little bit in a in a not a slump but in a 
in it, they, they created this sense of doubt when I came here. And then uh, this, the doubt kind of grew a little bit at the start until I really kind of addressed it. And um, so until I really, that kind of slowed down and, and tennis wise, I wasn't maybe doing what I expected to do or wanted to do initially. So I was enjoying everything, but I was having a tough time getting, you know, good tennis results. What I fe feel mm -hmm. like envision I felt was good results, you know. Um, so it took me a long time, maybe a good six months until I really got my feet under me in that sense and got kind of motoring. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it was, it was great. Like I remember starting off the season was, was brilliant. I actually had a good start I was playing lower in the lineup and I just kind of got some wins got a lot of confidence and I was just loving you know when you're doing well at something no matter what it is you're going to enjoy it I think and, and that was great uh, we had a good team a very good team that year we were very unfortunate not to actually keep the whole team going together due to a lot of injuries because it would have been Everyone on that team that I talked to, we all actually agreed that if we kept all the guys healthy, it would have been very interesting to see how we could have done. But I think we had three. We were, mm -hmm. I mean, from the starting six, there was everyone bumped up three by the end of the year. So it's a big, you know, yeah, it's, it's, a big, huge. Uh, it's a big difference. And it like it caught up with us. I think we lost the final four, three or something, you know, and it mm -hmm. wasn't like we still could have won it, but it was like, God, we really would have won it very easily mm -hmm. not maybe maybe not but like looking back i think so you know uh, but it was it was great i loved the uh, loved the tennis loved the social loved the the school every element of it was just new and it was fresh and i was just absorbing it all you know so i think it was great yeah i mean talking about those teams and especially for division one era at unf i mean yourself jack um mm. norbert you know yannick like all these guys right. definitely in that pocket and really got you know was the first title in the asun yeah. for for unf men's tennis and it right. kind of created that swag a little bit that has existed since then um, yeah 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 you definitely like those guys like i remember that first year there was there was jack kyle mm -hmm. norbert mm -hmm. yannick lassa yeah, lots of two, I mean, obviously. Zach, mm -hmm. Zach mm -hmm. Alberto, and like yeah. there was just it was so, mm -hmm. there was such depth, there was such depth, and there was they we were all playing like we really like the doubles. Mark was great; he was phenomenal in the doubles. Like I think, shortly after, two years after, I think they won maybe they lost one doubles point maybe all year playing a really <laughs> good schedule. Mm -hmm. So it was just like we did build this great uh this great team environment it was just there were like maybe looking back we tried to push too soon on some things and, and maybe push too hard maybe you know instead of like forcing it and trying to be kind of like the best we could we should have just relaxed and let it kind of come to us and enjoyed everything a bit more because i felt like there was this great urgency of you know we know we're a good team and we want to be this right now. Whereas if someone in hindsight would have given us probably the best advice, I think is relax. You guys are good. You're going to get there. Mm -hmm. You know, stop playing like you want to be there tomorrow. Just mm -hmm. let it come. You're going to get there kind of thing. Um, whereas we, I felt like we forced it and that's where injuries came in. And 
yeah, so that's 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 one thing I definitely look back and remember that good lesson from that time. You talked about the change in obviously the weather um, yeah. difference in affecting style of play. Was there a different kind of emphasis on a different area of tennis when you got to the states versus what you had been experiencing in Ireland? Yeah, like like hundred percent. Like in Ireland, the courts are lightning fast. or these astroturf. Okay. It's imagine this. Uh, it's a synthetic grass, and because it's like a carpet. Majority, exactly. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's, it's really fast and like because it rains so much, a lot of the time it's just wet. Mm. So the ball stays like around your knees, yeah. it skids, mm-hmm. and you don't have as much patience. So I'm pretty tall, like six foot four, and I come over here, I'm kind of like slapping the ball around, and all of a sudden the balls are just keep coming back, and I'm just like, like, geez, these rallies. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm having to build patience. Yeah. It's so humid. I'm not even nowhere near as fit as I thought I was. Uh-huh. I remember hitting the first time, being able to last like 15 minutes and just feeling like, God, how am I ever <laughs> going to even play a match in this? I'm dead mm-hmm. after a warm up. Um, so, yeah, like I just, I remember, yeah, it was a big change tennis wise for sure. And I never really experienced that. And I never, maybe if I went to an indoor school up north, it would have been a lot easier because I would have been like, you know, used to playing indoors, yeah. but no, it, 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 I definitely think it was a good decision because it improves your game. You're playing in the elements like it's windy, as you know, it's windy in North Florida. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely think it was a great decision. Maybe looking back, I would have came out <laughs> earlier, came out earlier and got used to it more. So yeah. It's, it's true. And it's not to be taken lightly, especially for me. I grew up in Chicago climate and right. so yeah. I, I like to run a lot outside and um, my first calendar year being here, I really hadn't hit a summer yet. And so okay. <laughs> I, <laughs> you <know how> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, you know, these are pretty long runs sometimes and, and I'm yeah. having some serious issues. Like it right. gets to the point where <laughs> yeah. I'm just done. I can't, I have a great condition level when it's very cool, cool out. It can be 45 and I love it. When it gets uh-huh. to be 90 and humid, you're like, I'm a different human being. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It, it's a big change for sure. <laughs> but especially yeah. in tennis, I mean, if the rallies are, are going and, you know, you're not yeah. finishing early, um, it can right. change the style that you have to play. Yeah, um, no, definitely. And then, and then when you're not playing something that you're comfortable with, it's not, you're losing a little bit of confidence, which is why I say I kind of got a little bit of self-doubt. Mm-hmm. and yeah struggled but you know good lessons was learned you know had good people to help me and yeah got better I think so you go through that fall season you get your feet mm-hmm. under you a little bit um junior year you win the title that next year with the team um yeah what what was what was your perspective about tennis at that point what was the goal oh, oh the goal the goal was definitely that, that, like I knew I was certain there. I was like, you know, mm-hmm. oh, I want to play um, pro after. Mm-hmm. I want to play Davis Cup for Ireland. Mm-hmm. And that was, that, was, that, was, that was, they were definitely the, the goals at that time. Like I really knew exactly kind of what I wanted then. And um, yeah, I was, I was definitely, there were goals that I knew I wanted to do and wasn't really second guessing or second thinking those at all. So what was the first step to completing that and taking that next step from North Florida at that point? 
Um, so yeah, that's a good question. So it kind of was slow actually because when I finished, I wouldn't say that I had, I wouldn't have had the greatest um, amount. Like I didn't really want to ask my parents for financial support, and I wasn't sure of how, like, where was I going to stay in Ireland? I was hoping I wanted to stay in America but I just was a bit unsure about, I had to make sure my visa would still allow me to stay for that period of time while I got kind of situated. So I think in that time I played, when I finished North Florida, I played a, a, a ton of money tournaments that summer. Um, I went back to Ireland and then, no, sorry, sorry, I didn't. I played a ton of money tournaments, stayed in America because I still had an extra semester to finish here in in North Florida. So I came back playing, planning to play all the tournaments in the fall, but I actually got an, like a, bit, a little bit hurt. I got banged up. I hurt my wrist, so I couldn't really play, which just led me to do my classes and stay on as volunteer assistant. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So that's, that's, yeah, I remember that now. So I was volunteer assistant while just finishing up classes. And I kind of stayed, I stayed on as volunteer assistant for the next semester as well, which was the 2017 one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So those I stayed on and then I played a couple of tournaments to start 2017 and maybe four or five and was struggled a little bit. Had a few, maybe one or two good wins. I think I made a final in the doubles, one or two good wins in singles, but not didn't do great. Um, and then I got hurt again. So I remember staying in Jacksonville for a while longer, for another two months, which brought me up to maybe – april and then there was another tennis player from ireland who was living in america james mcgee and he said i'd just been coaching a little bit in jacksonville and there was three challenger events which are the second kind of tier of professional tennis on in florida tallahassee sarasota and savannah and he was like you know do you want to come along and i'll kind of like help pay expenses and you can just kind of help me as like a friend you know friend slash just feeding me balls mm -hmm. kind of thing and I was like I hadn't played a whole lot and I was like you know great I'll definitely I'd love to do it so that was brilliant because I was I hadn't played hit a whole lot I hadn't practiced or anything so I went with him we had a great time he had a few great wins in one of the tournaments I remember Savannah especially and I got to practice with guys 200 and to two, 200 in the world wow. almost every day, which was, they were all playing Grand Slam qualities. And I remember in this period, I remember just remember hitting with them. And I was like, wow, this, I haven't played in two months, but I feel like after three, four days, I remember I feeling like I was playing the best, best tennis actually ever of my life. And for the last tournament, the last tournament of the swing, I actually entered and I played a great match. I lost to, Libiatus, a guy who went to Tennessee, he'd be number one in college in singles and doubles. I lost in three sets after maybe having a match point, but being quite encouraged by wow. the result because 
I was like, I haven't played a whole lot. And I, I just after a week or two of practice, I'm playing good again, really good. So I was really encouraged. And so that's when I went and played the whole, I think that kind of kick-started into the summer more so. Did a little bit more coaching maybe and then started the summer playing a bunch of tournaments. So that was really, that was really I would say, the start of it. Although that fall, I didn't play a whole lot. So it was really 2018 when I kind of had a, I'd picked up a decent amount of funding. Like I coached a good bit. So I had a good collection of kind of cash to start with. Came back to, I'd gone to Ireland that summer. Came back in December 2017. Was ready to start in January 2018. And just started going. That was when I stayed, started lung busting like tournaments nearly every week maybe one every four weeks took a break so that was really when I started kick-started it all off and started going all out and I would say um since then I've been doing it since up till five six weeks ago March mm-hmm. 1st or whatever that's that's really what I've been doing so yeah so it's kind of been like a two-year gas yeah. you know all foot foot to the floor yeah pursuit full, full two years uh full out I would say yeah 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 so and I think the first year first year definitely was a good learning like I learned a lot made a lot of mistakes and I won my first tournament which was like one of the best memories actually I won won my first like pro tournament in Canada and was absolutely delighted was a great feeling got my kind of the first singles points in at the start of the year in January in Florida, which was great because I felt like that's the toughest place to kind of do it. I was really happy with that. I remember at the time, played Davis Cup, got picked to play Davis Cup for Ireland, but didn't actually play that year. And then 2019 was a year kind of where I had like, I was like, okay, I know what it's going to be, everything's about now. And I started, I was much more comfortable going to different places, knew the ins and outs, the ebbs and flows of things, and was much more relaxed within myself, knew my game a lot better. And I think as a result, I played a much better, much better year. You know, especially in doubles, I won seven tournaments, uh, pro tournaments, which was like a few back-to-back after. And at one point, I was contemplating stopping completely. Mm. I was just so down. I was really good at uh and then i remember i teamed up with jack and mm-hmm. we played the irish open won that then i played with another guy the next week in england london won that and all of a sudden i just had the i just had such a kick from it all again like it was just like this is so fun and you know you get the winning feeling and you're like you're hungry for more all of a sudden your whole attitude changes you know you're hungry to train more you really feel okay if I can get to this point, I can start playing these tournaments and more opportunities open up. And then, so that's really, that was really like, there was just such a sense of urgency, I feel like. And also, I started, you know, doing a lot more fitness, I think, in the last few months, which like I never really did before. Mm-hmm. I did, but I, I didn't do it with like the same, you know, like I was like, this is what's going to make me better, you know. Um, so I think those things are really things that I tapped into in the second year playing and yeah well here I am now but stop but you know yeah is what it is where were some of the stops that you'd played at some of the cities and and uh, locations uh that's a good question I say I, I played mostly in America mm-hmm. 
America, Canada, Mexico, 80%. And then I went to, I went to, where else did I go to? So I played in Ireland. I went home, played in Ireland, played in London. I went to, um, like within those places, the stops were Cancun in Mexico, Mexico City, all over America. In Canada, it was, um, Canada was Toronto, Kelowna, which is beautiful, Calgary, which is amazing, uh, Saskatoon, which is also nice. Um, and then Davis Cup was in uh, San Marino in Italy. Mm. Oh, which wow. Was gr- which was, yeah, that was one of the most picturesque places I've ever yeah. been to. It was beautiful. Uh, it was like views for days kind of thing <laughs> there. Um, and then I also went to Uganda, Africa at one stage. That's just awesome. because, yeah, which that was probably the craziest trip I went to. Um, and that was also fun. So it was, they, were the, they were all the places I went to almost, yeah. Well, uh, do you have a favorite um, location or, or, or uh, place that you played? Yeah, favorite location. Uh, I think San Marino would definitely top it. Mm-hmm. It was just unreal. Like yeah. it was mountains. Well, I don't know if it was mountains, but yeah, it felt like it was in the mountains. Um, there was definitely, I thought, one of the nicest places. And then maybe Kelowna. Kelowna was unreal. It was, there was a huge lake. Weather was pretty good. Um, it was just nice and relaxed, very quiet, good, nice feel to it. So I'd say those two places were there. Definitely take the top uh, pick anyway. What's the what's the strangest surface that you've played on? I see that um, you you know you're gonna play mostly on hard court, but it's a lot of blue mm. clay. Why is it blue clay? Have you played a lot on blue? Oh, I actually haven't played on blue clay. Okay, like maybe I was clay? looking. Maybe it was. Uh, maybe a green clay. Maybe that's what it was. I was looking online, and that's kind of what it labeled it as. So maybe it was a little bit really, off. But really, yeah, yeah there, are, there are blue clay courts in right. uh, Madrid. I feel like was one of the terms years ago. They they tried it out, which was I actually forget what they looked like, but they did look definitely very different. Um, what were the strangest courts I played on? Uh, that's a good question i'm sure it varies in some places you're like what it does it does it varies yeah. a lot you know i would say in uganda and africa the courts were kind of crazy you know like <laughs> they actually just painted on the lines in the morning and they put down a string so you'd go along the string and they just paint the lines <laughs> and you know there there'd be sometimes where the lines were pretty wobbly you know i remember thinking like <laughs> Jeez, these court dimensions are a bit off here. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, there was nothing wrong with it. And then there'd be like every couple of games they'd come on and they'd um they'd repaint the lines because oh, it was man. all chalk. So yeah. you know, if a ball hit the line, it would just it would kind of like fly up and like if there's a lot of foot movement on that particular space, there was a lot of like it would just disappear. So yeah, I would say there was the kind of craziest surface, mate, for sure. How would you describe the the progression of your game? Did it get any? Did it change at all? Your style changed at all, or has it been consistent? Um, pretty consistent. I think I just got better at what I kind of initially was doing. Like I, my volleys definitely got a lot better since college. Uh, college really helped my volleys actually, and then I think everything just got a bit better. My serve definitely got a lot better since college, and my volleys, I would say, and my forehand kept improving the most i would say and i just got a little bit 
better in each department and like kind of what had what I had, you know? Well, and that's the thing too. I mean, with starting in your teens, like you did, um, yeah. it's like, you know, you probably were in college and you were realizing parts of your game that hadn't really been able to tap into yet. Cause you started late. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I always viewed myself, like, you know, when people were saying, Oh, you know, what are you doing still playing or you're, you're this age or whatever. I was always like, never really affected me. Cause I was like, you know, uh, people don't really know that I started late and no one's really going to care either. So, but I knew, and I was like, you know, if I'm this good after this amount of years, and I really am probably only like 17 or 18 in tennis years, you know, and I still enjoy it, you know, I'm always going to do fine in whatever I choose to do afterwards. So I always was like, you know, this is how I feel about where I am. And I just kind of viewed it through a very logical kind of lens. as like, you know, I just still want to keep getting better working on my game and seeing, you know, what it's going to, whatever, whatever tennis brings me. And I still enjoy this. So yeah, that was kind of the attitude and mindset that I looked at, at it uh, from. So yeah, I think that's kind of helped me as well. Yeah. Cause I, I hit, I just randomly was watching um, an interview with, with Novak Djokovic recently and he started, you know, when he's three or four, you know, I mean, it's, right. it's a part of his existence before he even knew he was alive basically. And, yeah. You see that in the United States, people playing Little League, and they're like, yeah, I was hitting off the tee in my backyard at four or five, and yeah, and the majors, you know? So it's it, there, there's yeah. something to be said for that, right. um, for sure. Is there somebody that you um, like to watch play tennis professionally uh, or you would say you're similar to? Mm, I would say I, I like watching tennis straight up, full stop. You know, it doesn't matter who it is what it is I genuinely enjoy like kind of looking at the game enjoying the different you know possibilities or momentum swings or whatever you want to call it um, and decision making that goes into tennis like I enjoyed all that but I'd say maybe game style wise someone that I kind of like would maybe look at would be someone like Berrettini mm-hmm. just because of his like his his big size he's tall he is, he looks he kind of looks for his forehand something that mm-hmm. I like to try do uh, I'd say I like to try serve well if I can it's getting better you know and then I'd say I might might have like he, he just looks for his forehand a lot and looks to kind of set play similar similarly in the same aggressive style that I do so that that'd be someone I would look game style wise towards for sure and then where regards I just enjoy watching tennis really most of the time anyway try to get try to get around it try to get to your forehand try to get that shot for yourself and, yeah try you know, set it up get, for myself to go down the line so you know I, hit so a I don't have to move a lot yeah you and a lot of people though I had imagine so you you said you're doing some coaching right now um right what what does that entail and you've done some coaching throughout kind of your career uh what have yeah. you done yeah, so, like, coaching is something that, you know, I, I actually did a lot of it in dental school for the, first, the two years that I was in Dublin in college. I actually started coaching a lot, like, not coaching a lot. I would say I was kind of paid to hit with squad, uh, young junior squad players, because I was a decent hitter, um, especially probably in Irish, Irish terms. So, so coaches paid me to come in there. And, you know, just beat up on all the young juniors. So 
it was very straightforward and uh, like I never really gave advice but I was always listening to how the coaches kind of talked to the players or you know so I kind of had a decent idea of what it, how it was so when I came to America and especially now like that I'm doing this you know I've just been trying to help uh, there's some good junior players that I'm hitting with at the moment and I'm kind of trying to show them how to maximize their game through their strengths especially the older ones and the ones who are looking to play a lot of tournaments um, and then I'm actually just picked up I was hitting at like random neighborhood courts since everything was closed down and I, I just like people saw me hit and they kind of asked me you know would you be interested in giving my kids a few lessons so I've actually picked up uh, maybe about eight nine kids oh, through, wow. just through that that's so, really good yeah. So I've actually been pretty busy. Um, I'd like That's to be really busier. good. Yeah, yeah. I'd like, I'd like to be busier, but I think uh, I think they're getting better. You know, I think those kids are getting better, which is pretty satisfying. Um, and I think they're enjoying it. Uh, they keep coming back, so that's a good sign. And uh, yeah, so hopefully, you know, it's something I can keep actually kind of growing, especially during this time, because um, it helps financially. It's fun to do um, and it's satisfying and it's really something to, you know, keep occupied, which is the main thing, I think, mm -hmm. especially right now. Mm -hmm. So, and yeah, I'm, hopefully it keeps growing and I'm reaching out to people. So if anyone is watching this. <laughs> I'll yeah, be sure to share it around. To, you can give so me a text. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you a lesson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shout out for, uh, for Julian's side hustle here. Yeah, but, I mean, yeah, it could become, yeah, yeah. you know, down the road um, for as long as you play. And then after, I mean, it can always be an opportunity. Right. Um, yeah. It's something like that I'd never, like, really thought about but maybe like college coaching is i think a really mm -hmm. very um a very appealable path uh especially because there's a lot of uh different things satisfying and attractive qualities that you need to have and kind of challenges that are if you you know you're around a young group of people who you have a big influence on their life and then there's all different aspects such as the recruiting aspect and uh managing personal relationships how to best go about different personalities and i think that's i find that pretty interesting and would be definitely something that i i might i might do if i if i didn't go back to ireland or do dentistry so yeah i'd definitely be interested in that as well so going back to um other than coaching what is what is the best way to keep yourself in shape and also keep yourself occupied right now uh yeah just uh working out uh, i've been actually been able to before the whole shutdown i actually took a bunch of weights from the gym i'm living right beside a tennis i'm actually living in a garage at the moment believe it or not <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, have a blow, I have a blow up bed down there and right before the shutdown i took a bunch of weights from the gym at the club so i, I have them there um and so i've just been yeah doing a lot of that running reading a good bit reaching out to people who might be interested in uh tennis lessons re uh talking to a bunch of people back home especially with these new app well i don't i thought they were pretty new apps but they've been around for a while I, I <laughs> like zoom and house party just taking yeah. breaks <laughs> you know, i was just i was a, and i couldn't believe it i was like wow how good are these but it just shows maybe how the world is going like maybe there'll be no like pubs or bars in 
50 years <laughs> we all like virtual i mean so, it's definitely possible i don't know if it's the best yeah, thing but <laughs> i mean so yeah who knows like because because i've been on some of these these uh apps and people are having drinks you know at their mm-hmm. house and yep. you know they're getting they're getting they're it's just like being out out at a bar and just like talking mm-hmm. to your friends so like maybe that's how it will go but uh <laughs> hope not because uh but you know there will be there will be definitely a big attraction i'd say in that so yeah i mean it's it, it zoom is definitely booming but i know you know you can i've not, i've been having longer conversations <laughs> with friends that you know i'm friends with but you know you don't right. just sit down and chat with enough you know and that's so yeah. if there's a positive that can be right. one yeah 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 exactly getting online what what's the what's the go-to read what do you like to read uh i i'll read i'll read anything to be honest like and i know that sounds just like vague but uh at the moment uh i've been reading uh, a thousand splendid sons by khalid hussein he wrote he wrote the kite runner oh, okay um it's a great book about life uh through the lens of a girl in afghanistan during the 70s 80s and how it i haven't got to it but i'm pretty sure she comes to america in the end um so it's a it's a pretty good book um and then also the the book i read last was a city of thieves and it was a great book it was like a movie this book um it was about world war ii this guy in russia and uh, it was just it, it, i'm not even going to really like get into it but if you guys are looking for a good book city of thieves is definitely one that you'll uh, really enjoy so a history guy too probably uh, no, a little I, bit I not too much that. are you a fiction guy non-fiction that. then i think it goes like, i don't know like whatever I, i'm not too sure but those two books maybe so but i've read a, a bunch of different ones but yeah those ones are definitely good ones you're open to other things. Yes. Yeah. Oh, open sure. to whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Any yeah. other, uh, any other fun facts that, um, either most people don't know about you or some of the closest people to, you know, about, um, fun facts, uh, maybe an interesting fact is I was like, a a licensed mer- like, a basically I was able to sell, I got a license at 11 years old to sell animal drugs. I did this course. <laughs> to sell animal <laughs> animal drugs at 11 years old because my dad's a vet okay and, um, he was short on staff at the time so at 11 i was pretty well up because i'd spent a lot of time with him and uh he sent me halfway across the country ireland like three hours in a car i remember my mom brought me there and i sat this down in this course for two days and did an exam and i got my little I uh, no license to sell uh to sell basically I was an animal pharmacist if you want to put it like that <laughs> at 11 years old and I, w- I remember people would come into the shop and they'd be like who's in charge here looking around and I just look at them and I'd be like uh I am and I'd give them their whatever they wanted whatever they had their prescription for and uh off they'd go and they'd be just like jeez you uh so I think that's some people wouldn't know about me <laughs> don't think I've actually ever really say that to many people so you can go the you know the animal pharmacy route you can go the dentistry route you can go the coaching route playing yeah route. i mean it's you know it's open I, right now yeah yeah who knows <laughs> for real who knows so yeah. i mean so they were putting you to work and you were um you had quite a few in your family you're one of five is that correct one, one of six one of one six, of six. Yeah. okay how, how was that growing up 
uh, it was like it was crazy. Like imagine a movie like Cheaper by the Dozen, but the uh -huh. bad stuff actually kind of happens. You know, like it's not <laughs> like everyone just pops up and they're all jolly. You know, it's like you fall down and you're actually like properly hurt or something. I don't know. It was crazy. Yeah, like good stories. Uh, we're all pretty close in age. So right now, like four, four, five of us are in college. Well, no, I'm not in college. I've graduated. My next brother has graduated. The three others, they're all in college, whatever you want. And then the last sister, she has still, she's still in high school. So we're quite close in age range, mm -hmm. all within 10 years. So I'd say when we were younger, it was like a bit of a mess. Uh, but now it's fun, you know, everyone's older, more mature. And it's like kind of more, you're more friends with the people and like, it's kind of strange going back home sometimes and you're like, you know, thinking your little brother doesn't have a clue and he's just telling you how to do stuff, you know? So right. <laughs> a bit of a wake up call at the same, a bit of a wake up call at the same time. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, you're back in that same environment and you're like, oh, of course right. the people that I was there with are going to be the same. Right. You know, they're right. Change. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so you also played uh, Gaelic football and hurling. Is that right? Yeah, I did. I played a bunch of Gaelic football um, and hurling from five till about 14. And yeah, loved it. Like was, I think they're class sports. Have you, have you watched any? Do you know like what they So I've watched a little Gaelic football, but I had to look up hurling. Um, it looks right. like, I feel like it's pretty violent. Is it not? Yeah, it, it's not as violent as you think. Like it, it's, uh, it's, how to describe it's one of the it's like kind of like lacrosse it's actually one of the it's the fastest field game in the world i believe um like it's really quick and it's really really good to watch like if you go to a live match it's like one of the better sports that i've seen live was actually ice hockey and it's something that it's just so quick you know everything's happening really fast and that's what people want to see these days you know yeah. like spectators like you know people's attention spans you know the next generation they're like getting shorter you know it's just that's fact um that's why you have all these snap adverts doing snapchat adverts doing really well <laughs> TikTok, it's like snapchat yeah TikTok, all this yeah. this jazz yeah. you know it's doing great because people's attention span so hurling is something that i actually think will be if people watch it they get really into it but um uh yeah so i played a lot of those two sports and they're not really they're only in ireland actually although there are leagues in america which are growing like there's a in atlanta there's a gaa team a gaelic team that plays maybe one other team from charlotte and also raleigh and then in new york chicago and boston there's actually quite a big league and every summer Irish guys come over to work and they play in these leagues kind of as a kind of as an experience to come over to America you generally they're in college so they work for during the day and they train a little bit at night and then they play their match at the weekend or two matches one on Wednesday one during the weekend so there's a big kind of a low key um collection of groups that have collected in america and are playing gaelic football and hurling which is actually unreal so maybe it'll grow into something who knows but uh for now it's not it's definitely not on tv over here but yeah have i think you, the americans i think the americans would like it you can probably tell me more but yeah what uh have you like, gone to see any live ones then in the, in the states uh i've never seen live games in the states only back home in dublin yeah 
So to get in that, like, can you play professionally in Ireland? Right. So no, it's it's like what's what's actually astounding about these guys is like every guy that plays say GAA like Gaelic football or hurling in in Ireland, it's amateurs. So there's no professional. They don't get any pay payment of any sort. Now, the best ones, like say the top ten of maybe top five in each sport, might get good endorsements or they get like great jobs out of it because in their own right, they are legends, you know, like they're so well respected. Like who's our best athlete? Like I suppose McGregor is probably our most famous athlete. Like these guys are bigger than McGregor back in Ireland, you know, like they're bigger than the best. They're as big as the best rugby players in their respective, you know, counties and communities like they're like God. So they don't get paid at all, but they get great. Generally they get great jobs out of it, but they work every day, like nine to five, the majority of them. And then they just train at night and, you know, they're, they're really, really good athletes. If you see them, like you'll, you're, you're going to be able to straight away tell, wow, these guys are really good athletes. Like, like Aussie rules football mm-hmm. is very similar to Gaelic football in a way. And I remember growing up that, every two years there'd be an Irish team versus an Australian team in, and it would just be played as Aussie rules and it'd be played in Dublin. And I remember like the matches were great, but like they were, first off, they were really like exciting, tense, all those, you know, great adjectives. And then also they were actually really close, which says a lot about the level of Gaelic football because Australian football players, they're making a living from this. And these guys are full-time compared to all these Irish guys who are part-time, you know. So it's a very good level. And these guys are probably deserve a lot more than they get. But, you know, yeah, they, they enjoy it. They do it for the passion of the game. And they love it, you know. So, yeah. It's kind of got a little bit of like the, an Irish feel about it. Just kind of tough and, you know, gritty. And, yeah. you know, we do it because we love it. And we, you know, are excited yeah. about it. Um, De- yeah. describe it so gaelic football is kind of like it's kind of a, it seemed like a combination of football soccer you carry the ball around you can right hunt it. the best so it's uh the best way i can exp- yeah you kind of got it down right there and those like you have 15 versus 15 players uh one goalkeeper each side you can it's like a soccer ball but you can pick it up and you can travel with it in your hands as long as you can solo it every four steps. Okay. And then you kind of, there's a lot of passes you can pass with your hands or you can pass it with your, but with a kick, kick from your hands. But, and then the scoring system is there's the, the goalposts are like rugby posts. There's, they go, there's a goal and then there's uh, bars that go above the goal. And so, it, uh, if you score it over the goal, it's one point, and if you score a goal, it, it's worth three points. So um, that's how it's played. And there's 15 versus 15, and it's just quite physical. You get stuck in, um, yeah. just kind of like you said, gritty. You know, yeah. Like I can't really. If you go on YouTube and you type in Gaelic football in Ireland, you'll see you'll see exactly what we're talking about. So yeah. <laughs> so so if you want to go watch these games in Ireland, can you just kind of like, can you expect to see people playing them in like a park or like you have to go to a stadium or how does that work? Yeah, that's a, 
that's a good question. So, so you could go. So the higher level up games, you gotta kind of buy a ticket. But tickets are very affordable. Like, for example, for the 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 best game, which is the All Ireland final, you could probably get a ticket for maybe like a hundred euros. So it's very, and that'd be like they'd be really well sought out. They'd yeah. be really well sought after. So like a regular game, probably you could get in for like between 30 euros and 60 euros kind of thing. And then I'd like a county level, which is put, for example, a Jacksonville area level game would be maybe five euros, 10 euros to go watch a game. And it'd be in like, uh, just, a there's loads of different pitches around the, around the each County. So yeah, you, you could, you could watch a good game for, Yeah, five euros. Or you could watch a good game for nothing if you want to go and just watch a, you know, a local county game. But yeah, it's good fun. So traveling in Ireland, do you just kind of people free flow from county to county? How often do you go across the country in Ireland? Like, obviously, it's not a huge country landmass. No. Yeah. Um, no, uh, you- it's not. Uh, yeah, it's not big at all. So it's like, if you want to go from north, north, uh, south it would take you maybe four and a half hours and to go east west maybe take you three hours so you know if i go into dublin i would just take a bus to go an hour ten minutes or an hour and a half and i would just pass through maybe two counties so it's really nothing like that that would be a big trip considered now mm-hmm. you know it's not like in america where you go from jacksonville to miami and they'd be like oh it's only down the road you know right Well, and even yeah. people for that live in the UK, I'd imagine you're going to go to London for the day and maybe you live in Manchester or Birmingham or something. And it's just like right. you jump on the train, you know, yeah. or something like that versus in the United States, if you're going from, you know, let's say uh, Charlotte up to, you know, Philadelphia, it's like, you're probably going to fly. Nobody's you're yeah, not usually yeah, yeah. taking the train <laughs> in that situation. You yeah, know? yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a, you know, it's not as not as common um, no. with that. As, yeah, like as I, well. I've taken the mega bus over here and yeah. the Greyhound a bunch mm-hmm. to like just random tournaments. And in Ireland, like that's considered normal. You know, you just get on the bus. But I've taken a few long journeys. Like I will admit, like one, a couple of 10 hours and like people just look at you like, wow, you're crazy. <laughs> right. You lost your mind, you know, and I'm like, you know, it's not that bad. You can sleep half it. You can be on your phone half it. And you can yeah. do something else the other bit, you know? So, right. but yeah, people think it's like, you, I don't know, <laughs> you want to be there instantaneously. So, yeah. Yeah. Not everybody's not, not everybody's as flexible. Uh, that's for sure. Um, yeah. I used to take the, the Greyhound and the Megabus actually back in college and, you know really, you can't yeah. get any cheaper than that you know so no, no, yeah no. <laughs> no it's brilliant, it's brilliant. You, do, you do what you can right yeah, yeah 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 is there anything about ireland that uh that you like to go see or you like to miss or you would recommend to somebody um i think uh if i was to go to ireland as like a and bring some, like friends with me i would say you got to see kind of like you know dublin's brilliant but it is a, like it's obviously a massive tourist destination. So there are the main, like the main things in Dublin, like the Guinness factory, Jameson, Trinity college, Dublin is right in the center along with like temple bar right there. Those are the main places. But if you really want to see like authentic Ireland, you know, I definitely advise going out to like the West of Ireland, uh, up North and kind of just like going outside your comfort zone and just going into random like little hole in the wall places like there's so many pubs that you'll just 
uh, you'll see like on the side of the road that you know you walk in and you'll you'll have a good time I think generally um, mm -hmm. what anything else about like going to Ireland like uh, yeah bring a raincoat for sure <laughs> yeah um, but yeah nothing like what else just yeah I, I'd say the best way to go about it is actually to probably maybe rent a car yeah because it's so small so you can drive around everywhere um, and you can see everything within maybe if you're efficient you could see everything within three four days literally the whole Ireland Ireland so yeah um, so do people t so will people still talk is it Gaelic that they'll speak in Ireland Ar yeah Gaelic yeah, Gaelic yeah. is like yeah so Gaelic would be like an, our it's like our mother tongue but yeah. it's not like everyone's learned grows up generally speaking english now there's small pockets around ireland which have which have people who teach their kids irish and they speak irish but they're very few like and they're usually quite rural areas now irish gaelic as you say like is compulsory to do in school so everyone has to learn gaelic as a language so and because it's compulsory and it's one of the mandatory exams that you have to take at the end of your high school um people and schools are putting a greater emphasis on it so irish schools became a big thing so you would go to say a primary school or a secondary school and you would do all your subjects through gaelic so and i went to one of those kind of schools for my primary school which would be like middle school and elementary school equivalent and I thought it was unreal. Like it was actually, for me, it was great because it allowed me to become like the earlier I think you can be learn another language, the easier it is to continue picking up more languages. So mm -hmm. I remember I was fluent in Irish and English, like English obviously, but I was fluent in Irish by the age of like eight. So, you know, when I got to secondary school and we started learning French and, and German, it was just like, it was they, they kind of came a little more naturally i feel like uh and then there's been studies done you know so it's mm -hmm. up in the air for discussion but i feel like it came more naturally to me because i had learned a language already and you know i was able to navigate a bit better thinking wise to through other languages so yeah i thought it was great um so they're definitely making a good a good effort to keep irish more alive and not let it go like obsolete sure uh so do you are you fluent in french then uh i wouldn't say not at the moment no but i yeah. was very i was pretty i was pretty uh i was pretty handy like probably at 18 nine, like 18 19 i i scored perfect mark in like end of high school exam and i'd spent some time there so I was able to hold the perfect conversation almost and I could understand it very well. I'd still be able to pick it up within a couple of weeks if I immersed myself in, say, France or somewhere. Like, I can understand most things. I could manage definitely right now. So, But as far as being fluent, I'm probably not fluent, no. That's, but that's one of the really cool things, especially I've even noticed it at UNF, working with the tennis teams and just, you know, yeah. players that – student athletes that come from even Latin America and obviously central right. Europe or central Europe. I mean, if you're in like a Czech Republic or a Switzerland, you end up being knowing like three languages just kind of off yeah. the bat because of the culture, but it's just really impressive 
part of tennis too is that ability for these these players to know all these languages while being really good athletes right 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 yeah no it's it's like it's great like like some guys from like you said south america like they came here with very little english like right. questionable how they even, <laughs> how to even manage it like but you know they learn good english and like they're coming out at the end of two after two years they're they're almost they're like they have the colloquialism down their right. slang is good you know so it's, it's pretty it's pretty fun to watch and and hilarious to listen to so yeah right because yeah. if you're coming from you know certain cities uh, rural areas and and certain south america countries or a lot of countries throughout the world there's no reason that you would you know have that right. and then they get here and it's very impressive to to see that yeah. grow um, yeah so anything else that you want to share? Uh, anything else you want to note on coaching business? You want to plug that again? Anything? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, uh, I don't really have anything. No, nothing more really else. To, nothing else to really add unless you have more questions. I'll definitely, yeah. I think uh, I think it's great. I think maybe one time we might have to to bring you on with Jack or something. Like a dual interview might be fun. But uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Sure, I could get a get a few stories out out of him, or he could probably do the same. But yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, awesome talking to you, Julian. Uh, really, thank you for taking time. Uh, yeah, it's no. good to get a background on you. Um, and yeah. of course, stay safe and. Uh, we'll be following when when things pick up again. Yeah, perfect. Thanks a million for having me. I think it's a great, great thing that you, what you're doing, uh, connecting with the alums, and really enjoyed it. And hope it keep you keep growing it. And uh, looking forward to listening to some more of these uh, interviews. Awesome. Thank you so Appreciate much, uh, Julian Bradley. Um, thank you. Thanks. Some awesome stories. Thank you again for the time. Before we take off, continue to follow everything that's going on in UNF Athletics as we continue to post content on our social media at the following accounts, UNF Ospreys on Twitter, along with all the sports-specific accounts, North Florida Ospreys on Facebook, UNF Ospreys on Instagram, and on UNFOspreys.com. We're looking back on each of our seasons, spring seasons included, honoring spring seniors, during what would have been the A-Sun Championship dates and posting Osprey Today content featuring some of the greatest moments in our history. So also, congratulations, graduates, both our student-athletes and everyone at UNF. Thank you again for listening, and we'll see you guys here next week.